I would like to welcome you to Web Church. I believe that today you're going to be blessed, you're going to be touched, you're going to be encouraged by the message of God's grace. Dynamic Web Church is a church where we focus on the grace, mercy and unconditional love of God that gives you a platform and a foundation of dignity and worth from where you can build your life. Your life is a life that is supposed to be established in the finished work of Jesus and not in your efforts to obey God. It should be established in the great effort that Jesus had in obeying God on your behalf and all the benefits that came freely from Jesus towards you. That's what Web Church is all about. You know, there aren't many churches that really preaches this grace message. So, uh, I just felt the Lord laid upon my heart to start the Web Church to get the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world and people to slot into a church because people want to be part of a church. They want to have that sense of, I belong somewhere. And so many times when people believe the grace message, they sit in a town somewhere, there is not a grace church in that town, they feel so excluded that it's actually scary to start to believe in the message of grace because you might be alone or there might only be two of you. But at Web Church, many people that are like-minded all over the world can slot in and they can be blessed. And a nice thing about Web Church is that you can invite your friends to this church and you know, even if he's a sinner, even if he's somebody that has never given his life to Jesus, he's going to listen to a message that will never condemn him, that will tell him who Jesus is, he will hear about the forgiveness of his sins, how God empowers him, and how God gives him a new life. Amen. So if you are a first time visitor to Dynamic Web Church, I would like to welcome you. I want you to just be at peace, be at rest. You are in the comfort of your home. You're not in a church somewhere where somebody can manipulate you or put pressure on you. I mean, you can just hit that disconnect button whenever you want. So, you can just relax. I'm not going to do something to force you to be part of the kingdom of God or anything. All I can do is thank you for the opportunity that you have given me by slotting in here to serve you with a message of grace. In Dynamic Web Church, our vision is not to build Dynamic Web Church. Our vision is not to build Dynamic Love Ministries. Our vision is not to see how big we can make our website or anything like that. Our vision is to serve people and build people. That's why we have this website. That's why we have the Web Church. That's why we do Evangelism Crusades. That's why we are busy translating our website into different languages because we want to see people being served with a message of grace. It's like Paul said. He says, we are all your servants. You are higher than us. You are higher. If you're just a normal person in a church listening to this message today, you are higher than me for I am your servant. And the Lord Jesus is my servant again. He serves me. And the Father serves us all in the Holy Spirit. Not that I say that we must belittle God. I'm just saying the greatest job with the most responsibility are given to the servants where they serve those who are of value. You are valuable to God. You are of such a great price to God that He was willing to give His Son for you. Amen. Maybe you're so tired of not making it. Maybe you're so tired of stressing and worrying and, well, I'm not going to make it and I've, I've missed it here or I've missed it there. I've, there. I've tried to walk the holy life and I've just messed up. 
and all the time I had never seemed to get it right. Well, let me give you good news today. There's forgiveness for you. You are already forgiven. You cannot get God to forgive you because He has already forgiven you. All that you can do is you can get your heart to believe it by just listening to the Word and accept the forgiveness of God. That's what God gives you. So, I want to tell you just before we even start with anything, get your heart addressed. God's view of you is the view of the cross. Now, behind me, you see a a circle that looks like an eye. Now, the Hubble telescope sent this picture back to the earth, and this is a picture of a star that exploded, and it's called the eye of God. Now, think of that. Now, look how awesome it is. Look how beautiful it is. You know, just the the uh, like blue in the middle, white ring around it, and then the, the yellowish red on the sides. It looks like an eye. It's awesome. It's astronomical big, this eye of God. And you will see during one of the worship sessions here, uh, one of the worship songs, I've put a cross right in the eye. Because the eye of God sees the cross of Jesus Christ. So, what, whenever God looks... When he looks at you, when he looks at your life, he looks at the cross and that is his reality. And in his light, in his view and opinion about you, you will start to walk in the reality that God has given you. Man, isn't that awesome? That's God's life for you. That's what he has given unto you. Get God's view about the whole thing. Get God's opinion about you and you'll find that stability that really comes into your life. Hallelujah. Now, um, we are all awaiting the second coming of the Lord. Now, as we await the second coming of the Lord, and people are just thinking of the Lord Jesus coming back, and what about the rapture, what about judgment, what about all those type of things, uh, somebody sent me an email with this comedian that just um, said, well, if he had to introduce the Lord Jesus Christ a second time, say he came to earth now, and now he's going to appear in front of a great audience, and he's just going to introduce Jesus now. This is how he would do it. And I would like you to have a look at this because this really blessed me. And like he says, maybe it's not the way you would do it or the way you would like it. But it blessed me so much to see this. Just to think of who God really is. To think of the list of things that he's done in this earth. To think for yourself. Man, he, what he did was he could turn... Water into wine. He can walk on water. He could feed 5,000 people with two, two, uh, um, two fishes and five loaves, or five loaves and two fishes. He could feed them. He could bless them. He could help people. He could heal the sick. He, he raised the man that was dead for four days. He could change his appearance into light. He could appear at certain places. Now, who is there today that can have the same things behind His name as what Jesus has done, except Christians that receive this as a gift for themselves. Now, more about that later. But listen to this. After we've listened to this, I'm going to speak for five minutes about finances and just the awesome provision that there is in the cross of Jesus Christ apart from your works. And then we're going to go over to the worship and right into the Word of God. Enjoy this. If I had the pleasure of bringing out Christ. This is just how I would do it. It ain't got to be the way you do it. You might not think it's just right, but this 
is how I would do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hailed out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He's fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the rose of Sharon, and some say he's the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet. Put your hands together and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. God has been good. Hallelujah. Isn't that just awesome? To just see all those people in awe and in wonder. They, they didn't come. That's not a church meeting. That was a secular meeting. They paid to go and listen to a comedian. And he spoke about this. And he said, God is good. Isn't that awesome? And you saw the joy in the hearts of people. And I believe, uh, um, some people say to me, that was recorded in Hollywood or somewhere like that. But it was definitely not a Christian meeting. A lot of people that go there aren't Christ-minded. But as he was just talking about the Lord Jesus, you just saw people jumping up. And I want to tell you that God has got people in this world that follows Him that we don't know anything about. We should never think that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the small, wimpy type of thing that's just barely existing. It is the greatest, in world terms, organization in the world. It's the richest organization in the world. 
It's got the most members in the world. It's the fastest growing uh, uh, organization, if you want to use the organization, in the world. It's the fastest growing movement. It's church. There's nothing like church. Imagine God Almighty must come and introduce His body. You know, so many times when people talk about church, they say, oh, you know, the church is foolish. The church did this again. The church did that again. Preachers using that language about the church. And then I would just like to jump up in a meeting like that and I know they will say I'm out of order, but that's what's in my heart and say, are you talking about God's wife? Because sure, (laughs) as sure as heaven, if you talk about my wife, even if she is guilty and has got all those things in her life like that, you're going to get a piece of me. Now, are we, how can we break down the body of Christ? Imagine God coming and introducing His bride. Is He going to say, well, I just want to introduce my bride. You know, she's so full of spots and wrinkles, but bless God, I'll take her the way she is. You know, she's actually such a weak thing. And He'll never talk like that. If God must introduce His church, I tell you, there's no one that can honor somebody like God does. He will honor you. He will tell you who you truly are. He will look at you with the perspective of the cross. He will say, all of the angels, all the cherubim, cherubim, be at peace, be quiet. I want to introduce that which you've been waiting for, for billions and millions of years. That which you've been waiting for to manifest before the earth was created is about to be revealed unto you. Something that I love so much that I was willing to give up myself for her. Someone with so much authority that she is seated with me. Somebody with so much beauty that I, that I cannot stop to look at her. Somebody so pure and sinless that she is like me. Somebody that's so close to me that I live in her and she lives in me. We are one. The fullness of my Godhead is in Jesus bodily and we are in her. Everything that will happen in creation is going to happen through her. She is my bride. She is the apple of my eye. That's what he will say. He will say she's the pearl of great price that I had to go and sell everything in order to get her. She is that treasure that is hidden in the field that everybody was longing for it to be discovered. She's so special that I wanted to share who I am with her. She's the only one that brings true joy to me. And she believes in me. She pleases me. That's who she is. And that's how God will introduce you. And don't let anybody or anything tell tell you that you are anything less than what God says about you. Hallelujah. Don't, listen man. Don't let your money dictate to you who you are. I don't care if you are so poor in this world, you never believe you are poor. Because God says, you are rich. Hallelujah. The other day, one of my friends, uh, one of my children asked me, he said, listen, this friend of you, Dad, this friend you've got, Dad, is he very rich? I said, not that rich. Not as rich as what we've got, as what we are. Yes, but they own this and this and this and this and this. I said, we own the universe. Bless God. And I, my, my son is 11 years of age. He just looked at me with big eyes. Own the universe? Of course. That's what God has given me. 
Hallelujah. And everything we need in order to spread the gospel, anything we need, any, if there's any need in my life, it has been met by the Almighty God. Hallelujah. That's what he's, this word says. Let's read it. This is the word of the Almighty God. If you've got a Bible, just hold it like this. This book has been the best seller for I don't know how many years. I don't think since the beginning of time. But this book has been the best seller since it's been written. Since it's been compiled like this, it's been the best seller every year by millions. There's nothing like it. People base their lives on this. And the big thing about this is it becomes true. It manifests. It's not a storybook. It's not a fairy tale. It contains the very living word of the Almighty God. Amen. So when you read the Bible, read to read the Word. Read to read that, that, that Word that says, Oh, you are righteous, you are holy through the obedience of Jesus on your behalf. Hallelujah. That's what this book is all about. Now, take this book. Flooded with the very good news of God. Amen. Open it up to Philippians. Sorry, I've just missed it there. Philippians chapter 4. Listen to this. It says, verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory. Now, another word for glory is His resurrection power. My God shall supply all your needs or meet your needs. He will meet all your needs according to the wealth that there is in His resurrection power, or another word for resurrection power is goodness, okay, by Christ Jesus. Now many people read this scripture so wrong, they say, but my God shall supply uh, um, all your needs according to your tithing and sowing and reaping by Jesus Christ. Now that's a lie from the pit of hell. God is not going to supply your needs according to your sowing or the seed you've got in the ground or cursed is that doctrine. It's a curse. It brings people into poverty. It takes boldness away from them. You know, if you come to God, you must die today. If you die today and you stand before the Father, why? if God asks you, why should you come in? Will you have boldness? Of course you'll have boldness. You will say, for sure I'm going in, for I stand on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I stand in the gift of righteousness that has been given unto me. I'm as pure as anything. I'm as holy as anything. God, I belong here, for I am part of you and you are part of me, for we are one. And if I must go to hell, then part of you is going to be in hell, for we are one. I am born of God. You indwell me. Jesus done it for me. And your confidence is in what? In the finished work of Jesus. But when it comes to finances in the church, so many times we are so scared and fear gets hold of us. I must be honest, there's times when fear wants to get a hold of me as well. But I stand up in the middle of the night, if that fear wants to grab a hold of me, I open the word of God, I read the scripture, I renew my mind, I walk that floor and I say, I'm looking into the eye of God. And I'm seeing the cross of Jesus Christ. When I look in the eye of God, I don't look at what I've done. I don't look at the wrong thing that I've committed. I don't look at what I've done in my past. We look into the eye of God. 
We look into His eyes. What do we see? We see Jesus crucified. It's like Paul said, I knew nothing amongst you. And we're going to preach about that today. Except Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. Bless God. So I want to tell you, my God shall meet your need according to His riches and glory. Not according to how you give to Dynamic Web Church. Not according to how you've treated your children. Not according to how you saved your money. Not according to how you've invested. In accordance to His absolute wealth and prosperity, which is in the resurrection power of God. Now, why are we prosperous? Because we've been resurrected with Jesus. Amen. And a rich man doesn't seek money. Bless God. A rich man looks at what he can do with his money. Bless God. He just enjoys life. Thank you, Jesus. And I know what I'm going to do with my money. There's nothing more glorious than taking my money and wasting it on the kingdom of God. Nothing more glorious, nothing better than taking this money and broadcasting a session all over the world today. There's nothing more glorious than taking your money, conducting a gospel crusade and seeing people get saved. And there's nothing more glorious as taking that money, now listen to me, and go on a holiday and enjoy what God has given you. That's what the Bible says. It says, tell the rich people, Timothy, that they must, that the money they get comes from God and they should enjoy it. Thank you, my God. Isn't that what God tells you? Isn't that what God's Word is for you? He will provide your need. Now, if you've been stressing out, if you've been thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do, how I have it, there is a way for you. Amen. And a lot of people, I just want to throw this in, they sit in poverty today because they want to fulfill needs in their lives that can only be fulfilled by the good news of Jesus Christ. Then they're not wise with their finances. Listen. Going overseas is not going to meet your need for being accepted that only comes from Christ that says we are accepted in the Beloved. You don't have to go overseas to meet that. You don't have to have a nice car to feel loved or special or blessed. Hallelujah. You know what's nice for me? If I drive an old car and I can stop in a place where there's just new cars and get out of my old car And I can feel in my heart that I don't feel this much less worth or valuable than what any of those other people should feel. Maybe I feel worthy more than they because they might find their worth in what they drive. You are not what you drive and you are not what happens to you. That's a word from God for you right now. We we preach already, we're not even in the word. You are not what happened to you. It's not what goes into your life or into your physical body that makes you unclean, but what comes out, because it comes out of your heart. We're going to talk about that as well. So listen, what happens to you, the poverty you're in, the the fight you're going through, the heartache you've got with things around you and things don't work out, that's not who you are. That's just what's happening to you, but it's no indicator of who you are. Hallelujah. So whenever you give, you give out of a heart of gratitude and you don't let any preacher or anybody manipulate you to give. Because you're going to cry not long from now if you go and you are manipulated into giving. 
Because that's never glorious. Amen. Well, we're going to go over to the worship. I would just like you to just relax, enjoy the beautiful pictures we put on. And the last song, we haven't put a lot of pictures, just the eye of God with the cross in the middle. And look at that and you're going to just see what God has done for you. song of the redeemed rising from the African plain It's the song of the forgiven drowning out the Amazon rain The song of Asian believers filled with God's holy fire Every tribe, every tongue, every nation A love song born of a grateful choir It's all God's children singing glory, glory
wasn't that just awesome just to experience the presence of the Almighty God to know it's all about Christ in you that's the mystery that has been revealed and I just believe that this mystery will just you will just know more and more about this as we're going to talk about the mystery that's been revealed and what this revelation is and how we function from within Christ before we get into the word I would just like to (coughs) read to you 
a list of the um, list of the countries that uh, people has logged into the web church just to give you um, a feel of what's happening. You know, so many times we don't know what's happening, who's slotting into the web church. So let's read this. It's um, the United States, South Africa, Australia, Canada, Great Britain, Singapore, Euro- European nation or European country. Now. Um, it seems to me as if, if the computer doesn't know from exactly which nation Europe is, it just says a European country, India, United Arab Emirates, Philippines, Egypt, Russian Federation, Taiwan, China, Hong Kong, Brazil, Poland, Nigeria, Sweden, Bahrain, Thailand, Kenya, Israel, Norway, uh, Kuwait, Japan, Syria, Indonesia, Slovak Republic, Germany, Pakistan, Lebanon, I don't know how to pronounce this, I think it's Lithuania, Ireland, Czech Republic, Iran, South Korea, Cambodia, Greece, Hungary, Ghana, Vietnam, the Netherlands, Italy, uh, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Zambia, Malaysia, Denmark, Cyprus, Macedonia, uh, Puerto Rico, Switzerland, Austria, Estonia and New Zealand. Isn't that just awesome to know that We've been preaching the gospel in all those nations and people from all those nations have slotted into the, um, onto the website and could get the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, the vision that we have is to translate the website into more languages so that people can hear it in their home language. Imagine we could have had this website in all those languages. Would that not be awesome? People hearing the gospel in their own language. At the moment we are... Um, busy speaking to somebody we at least, we're going to do at least three uh, black languages in South Africa and man I'm so glad about that next week Friday I've got an appointment to see these people so that we can start with a translation of the website man I'm so excited to see that imagine somebody can come in Zulu and they know there's a website in Zulu I wonder how many websites there are in Zulu any type of website if they can go onto this and know in Zulu or in Tswana or in they can get their, this good news in that language. Man, it would be awesome. Now, it is a great job to do this. It's a very big job, but I believe that by the grace of God, we will do this, and we're going to see people being touched by that. Right. Let's get into the Word of God. I started to read from um, Matthew chapter 1, and, and as I just, I said, Lord, I just want to study the New Testament through again. So I started in Matthew chapter 1, and as I read, I just saw the heart of God. Now, the heart of God is that people live a life from the perspective of righteousness and God living through them. You know, so many times we think we are human doings. We are not human doings, we are human beings. The gospel is not about doing, it's about being. And out of who you are, you will do a lot of things. But the focus is not what you do. The focus is who you are. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, if the slave... Um, becomes king, uh, the country is in ruins. And I, you know, that is so much applicable in the New Testament. If we want to be kings and rule in this world with a slave mentality, our lives will be in ruins. That's why there's so many churches that's in ruins. Not just because, um, because they've got a few members. They can have thousands of members, but there's no righteousness. There's no peace and there's no joy. For somebody who rules in the kingdom of God, rules in a kingdom of righteousness, peace and joy. Righteousness that we have, that righteousness has been imputed unto us and given unto us as a gift. 
peace as the peace of Jesus being imputed unto us, and joy as a fruit of what has happened to us, as well as the characteristics of Jesus Christ just living in us, His attributes in us because of Him indwelling us. So, with a slave mentality, you can never have a successful life. With a slave mentality, your life will be in ruins all the time. You cannot have a slave mentality when it comes to the kingdom of God. Because the principle that God has laid down is, if a slave rules, then the country is in ruin. So, if you don't have a king mentality, if you don't have a rulership mentality of, this belongs to me, I don't have to work to get it. Um, If you don't have that mentality, your life will always be in a struggle. But I also want to tell you this, that, if you are born again and you are, uh, you are walking in the message of faith righteousness, you are not what happens to you. You are what God says about you. And uh, we compare the spiritual things with the spiritual. In other words, we look at what God says about us and in our spirits we say we are as He says and that is our reality because it's God's reality. And then this physical world will change into the reality of God as this reality manifests by faith. Right, let's go to Matthew chapter 1 verse 19. <clears throat> then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Now listen, let, let's just start this. This is Mary um, was pregnant before she was married to Joseph. Now that must have been a very uh, bad thing for Joseph. Very difficult to handle. Here's my wife saying, no, she's pregnant uh, of God. The Holy Ghost made, made her pre- pregnant. He will just say, yeah, sure, you know. (laughs) How will God make you pregnant? That's not possible. How's that going to happen? And uh, Joseph was a just man or a righteous man, a good man. And let's look at the conduct of Joseph towards his wife when in his eyes she committed such a sin. It says here, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. So, what does this mean? Because he was a just man, he didn't want to expose his sin. Let's read it again. He says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example. A public example was, you are stoned for something like that. You are killed. So, he was just because he didn't want to bring the punishment of the law unto her. And that's how God sees a just person. And God is a just God. So whenever you think of God as a God that is a just God, you must know He's a God that doesn't want to expose your sin. He's a God that doesn't want to uh, punish you for your sin. But He brought someone else, Jesus Christ, to receive our punishment for our sin. Not that He does not punish you, or that He is an unrighteous God. He's a righteous God. He's He's a holy God. Therefore, He punished sin in the body of Jesus. On GodTube, I've put a, a clip where I explain the hatred of God for sin. Now, you must know that God hates sin so much that He was willing to remove sin from this world because He couldn't look at you in the state of your sin anymore. He said, man, let me rather take all the sin of all the people, put it in the body of one man, and then burn it away so it doesn't exist in my eyes anymore that I can relate to people on the basis of righteousness and holiness as if they are perfect, for they've been made perfect through one sacrifice. And now I'm talking about people who believe in Jesus Christ. So if you believe, I want to tell you, you've been made righteous. 
you are holy. doesn't matter what you've been through. doesn't matter uh, how you have behaved in the last month or what you've been going through. God sees you with, just get that picture in your mind again of the eye of God with a cross in the middle. When He looks, what, and it never changes, that's how He looks. And that's what Paul said as well. I want to know Christ and Him crucified and that's all that I want to know for that is the mind of God. Okay, so here we see that Joseph was a just man and because he was just, he was not willing to kill his wife and made, make a public example of her because he was a just man. Now, so many times we would think, well, if somebody's just, he will take the, the law to the letter and he's going to do exactly what the law says. For the law said if a woman was caught in adultery, then she must be stoned. Now, I mean, that is a proof of adultery. That's a proof of uh, sexual immorality if you're pregnant outside of being married. So, um, he was a just man. He said, I'm not going to kill her. And that's the exact same thing that Jesus did. For he is a just God in John chapter 8. The woman was caught in the act of adultery. And then he said, you that are without sin, throw the first stone. And then he spoke his attitude and his point of view unto her. He said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. But no, I don't condemn you. So many preachers preach, well, go and sin no more unless... I condemn you later on. Now, that's not what God says. God says, I don't condemn you. And that is the attitude of Jesus Christ all the time. The only condemnation there is, is if we don't believe on Jesus Christ. That's the only condemnation. That's the only sin that cannot be forgiven. That's the only sin that there's no sacrifice for. And that is not believing in Jesus Christ. An unpardonable sin. You cannot be saved without believing on Christ and receiving the gift of righteousness. You must know this. You will never be righteous unless you receive your righteousness as a gift. Amen. Now, um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. I want to just explain this to you. It says here in verse 23. Hebrews 10, 23. It says, Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For He is faithful that promised. Now remember what we said last Sunday on God's faithfulness. Uh, we read, uh, I think it's Second Corinthians, where uh, Paul said, he said, listen, God will confirm you even unto the end. He will see you as holy and blameless, for He is faithful. So God's faithfulness is directly connected with the fact that we are seen as holy. And if God is not faithful, that means He's not going to see us as holy anymore because of Jesus. But God is faithful, that means He will always see us as righteous. He will always see us as holy. He will always see us as good and blessed in His name. Okay. Now it says here, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. Let's continue to say this. We are righteous. We are holy. And let us consider one another or... Let us um, be concerned about each other to provoke each other unto love and good works. So, let's provoke each other unto the message of God's unconditional love and the good works that flows out of that as a fruit of knowing the unconditional love. And that's what we discussed in the eight weeks before that. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, this is what he says. He says, listen. The church must come together. Why should the church come together? There's only one reason. If the church can come together, they can encourage each other in the message of grace. 
Now, many people have used this message, many preachers have used this message as uh, a message of condemnation, telling people, you should not neglect the gathering of the brethren, for they want you to come to church and then take up an offering from you. Now, uh, <laughs> it's just the way it is so many times. And a lot of people feel um, that if people don't come to the cell group or they don't come to the church, then their whole self-worth is down the drain because it's measured in how many people come to church. But that's not what that scripture means. That scripture says, listen, let us hold fast to the confession about what we have. And that is that we've got a God that is a just God that was not willing to impute our trespasses unto us, but He imputed the righteousness of Jesus unto us. Let us hold fast to that. For God is faithful. He's not going to change. We are going to receive our resurrected bodies. We are going to be clothed with a heavenly body. All those things are going to happen because we are righteous and He is faithful to do that. Let us then not forsake coming together because when we come together, we edify each other in the message of grace. In a typical um, thing today would be where you would say, well, we come together. You know, my brother, I've, I've read this scripture, let me share it with you on how righteous you are. Somebody goes through a, um, a bad time in his marriage or he's committed some sin or he feels that he is just not where he's supposed to be spiritually. Well, you just come and say, listen, let me bring to you the perspective of God about you. And that's what you will find in Web Church. This is the gathering of the saints. This is what we do. Now, this is what he says. Let us come together. Let's continue to share the message of grace with each other. Now, let's read verse 25 again. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, the day of the return of the Lord. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. Now, I tell you, that just freaks people out when they read that and people aren't willing to preach about that. And I've, I've been under messages where they say, if you willfully sin after you've come to the knowledge of God, in other words, if you willfully lust after a woman or if you willfully steal money or if you willfully cuss or swear or you've used the, the name of the Lord in vain or you've desired your neighbor's stuff or something like that, you've willfully sinned after you've come to the knowledge of Christ, then your whole salvation is down the drain. Now let me tell you, that's not the interpretation of that scripture. And if that was the interpretation of that scripture, it means the whole kingdom of God on earth is based on man's ability to keep the Ten Commandments and we're back under the law again. That is not what that scripture means. Let me explain to you the, what that scripture means. Um, for if we sin willfully, now the context was, let's stay in the message of grace. For if we sin willfully, after that we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for the judgment and the fire indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much? Now listen, now it's talking about sin. When you sinned against the law of Moses, you died with two or three witnesses. You were punished. Okay? How much greater punishment, now it's talking about the sin that is willful. Okay? Of how much shorter punishment, suppose you shall he be taught worthy, who has trodden underfoot the Son of God, and has counted the blood of the covenant 
wherewith you are sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Man, that is powerful. Willful sin is if you've come to the knowledge of the grace of God and you willfully go and say, you know this message of grace, this thing that we all are just cleansed in the blood of Jesus, that is just an unholy teaching. If you go down that path, let me tell you my brother, you have already committed the willful sin or you might be at the border of committing it and if you continue with that sin, there's no more sacrifice for you for you are neglecting and rejecting the only sacrifice that there is for you which is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It says here, who has, who, has this, who has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. This is talking about people. Now listen, it was written to the, to the Hebrews. It was listen, written to the Jews. It says, listen, if you've come to the knowledge of the grace teaching, you've experienced it, and now you're going back to Judaism. You're going back to being circumcised. You're going back to all the Jewish traditions, uh, wearing all those Jewish clothes and all the Jewish feasts and all those type of things. He says here, listen. Now, I'm not talking about Christians today that might wear uh, some robe because he's thinking of the cross. I'm talking about people going back into Judaism thinking that salvation lies in that. And I must be honest with you, there are many people today that are falling back onto that and that's really bordering onto sin, willful sin. Now it says... um, Wherewith you, it says, let me read verse 29. How much sore punishment? Now, a greater punishment than death. Suppose you shall be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. Now, this is somebody who has been washed in the blood of Jesus. He's somewhere that was saved. And all of a sudden now, he's rejecting the message of grace. And counted the blood of Jesus an unholy thing and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Another word for Spirit, um, just to to explain to you the context of this, is not just the Holy Spirit of grace, but also speaks of the attitude or the message of grace. You can be in a spirit of depression, or you can be in a spirit of joy, or you can be in the spirit of grace, or a dispensation, or a place of grace, or an era of grace. If you come to the place of grace, which is an unending, never-ending, eternal dispensation. Now, we can't even use those two words together because the word dispensation means it's going to end someday. Um, it's an eternal time is the, is, is the spirit of grace or the message of grace. If you count that an unholy thing, you have, man, I tell you, you're bordering to, to, to a sin that cannot be forgiven. So, never be afraid. Web Church, I want to tell you, Church of the Body, body of the Lord Jesus Christ, never be afraid of the message of grace. You're much safer in grace than under works. You're much safer. There are people today that preach against the grace message and they call themselves Christians. We should be careful for that because that is not uh, God's heart for you. Now, if we read Matthew, the first thing he says here is that Joseph, Joseph was a just man because he didn't want to impute sin. Let's go down to verse 21, talking about Jesus. It says, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
Why shall we call Him Jesus? And this is the whole purpose of Jesus. For He shall save His people from their sins. Hallelujah! If you say Jesus, you say, You have saved me from my sin. You the Savior from sin. You the one that has cleansed me. You the one that has washed me. Your blood is holy forevermore. The blood of Jesus is forever before the face of the Father. What does that mean? Forever you will be righteous. Forever you will qualify for every blessing. And not just qualify, forever you have qualified and has received it in Christ. Amen. So many times we make it a very difficult thing to receive from God. You know, God has given us this great thing. It's all in heaven. I must just now just receive it. I've already received it because when Jesus received it, I've received it. So there's nothing I can do to receive. Just to believe I have received it in Christ Jesus already. As He has received prosperity, I've already received it. But my circumstance doesn't look like that. It doesn't matter. Then you renew your mind into the truth. Because you've been listening to the lie for too long. That's the only thing. Hallelujah. God loves you. Now, His name shall be called Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Man, there's nothing as beautiful as the name Jesus. When the world thinks of the name Jesus, what they're supposed to know is the forgiveness of sins. That's what they're supposed to know. You know, so many times when people hear the name Jesus, worldly people, they think of the Ten Commandments. They think of, I should not commit adultery. Why do they connect the two? I can't understand that. As rules and re- how's rules and regulations connected to me via Jesus? It's impossible. We can connect rules and regulations to Jesus for He had to obey all those rules. He had to do all those things in order for me to be righteous before Him. He had to die for me so that I can be uh, forgiven. He had to live holy on my behalf in order for me to be made righteous. Hallelujah. So, um, when the world hears the name Jesus, they must say, our sins are forgiven. That's what we need to preach. Whenever you preach the name of Jesus, this is what must go with the name of Jesus. Not a list of do's and don'ts. Right. Verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and, he, um, and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So, what, what, what does this say? It says, the child must be called Jesus. But he's also called Emmanuel. So he is God with us, pardoning our sins. That's Jesus. Hallelujah. So whenever somebody feels the presence of God, you know, and they say, oh, I feel the anointing of God. And they come with a prophecy exposing your sin. They felt an anointing that wasn't God's anointing. They felt the anointing of the accuser of the brethren. They never felt the anointing of the one that forgives and pardons your sin. I tell you, and I've said this in previous broadcasts, that there was a prophet that would come to our church when I was in Bible school. And before he came, I mean this guy, when he looked at you, you became scared. And his eyes, it was like as if he can see right through you. And he's just going to expose everything in your life. Man, I tell you, I would confess for half an hour before the service. So, oh my God, thank you that I'm forgiven. 
I confess every wrong thought I have. I confess every wrong thing I've done. I confess that temper problem. I confess when I spoke bad about the pastor. Please forgive me. Because imagine he comes up and says, Thus says the Lord, you spoke bad about the pastor and therefore the judgment of God. Unless you repent right now. Now I tell you, there's nothing as bad as an, as an open rebuke. There's only one thing that is worse than an open rebuke. And the Bible says it's called secret love. It's only one thing that's worse than an open rebuke, and that is secret love. Secret love is somebody that says he loves you, but is not willing to show it. I'd rather take an open rebuke than God telling me that He loves me, but He cannot forgive my sins. I'd rather be in rebuke in open. God loves you. He cares for you. His love is not secret. It was, it was a mystery. It has been revealed. It's Christ in you the hope of glory, according to Colossians chapter 1. Isn't that awesome? So, whenever we call the name Jesus, we know God is with us, pardoning our sins and saving us from our sins. Now, God saves you from your sins, from what would happen to you because of your sin and of the power of the sin that is in your life. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to uh, Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Before I get into that, um, I just want to say this. So many times we think that sin confession is the savior of the church. Sin confession is not the savior of the church. You can confess your sins all the time. You will still not be forgiven. The Bible says we need to proclaim Jesus, confess Jesus as our savior. And if we do that, then we are saved. Hallelujah. Isn't that powerful? When you confess Jesus as your savior then you are saved. If you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. But when you confess your sins, and let me explain that scripture in uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now that must be seen in the context of Hebrews chapter 10 that I've just read. There was people that didn't want to believe the good news. And they said, you know, this whole good news, grace message is a lot of rubbish. Then John wrote and he said, if you can be in the revelation we are, in the light that we are, then we will be one. If you can confess your sin, if you can confess that what I believe about Jesus and about God, because they believed it was a bad thing, the message of grace was not good, if you can confess that as a sin, you will be cleansed from all your unrighteousness. And you will be forgiven. But if you cannot confess the good news, or say the same as what God says, you will never be cleansed. And there's another way to see that as well, talking about sins, and not just the willful sin, or the sin against the grace of God. Normal sins like swearing and cussing and stealing and whatever. If you smoke, and you don't want to smoke, you say, man, I'm addicted to this thing, and I want to be delivered from this thing. Or you using drugs, you want to be delivered from that. You come to God and you confess your sin. That word confess also means to say the same thing as. Now when you confess your sin and you confess the truth about your sin, you will say the same thing as what God says about your sin. So sin confession is not, I'm guilty, I'm bound under sin. Oh, I'm a sinner. I'm so bound, I'll never be free. Man, you'll never be free confessing that. If you confess your sin, you say the same thing as what God says about that sin. You say, sin, I want to tell you something. You are death producing, but... The, and you can also say, the wages of sin is death, but 
the gift of God, which is righteousness, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And I have obtained the gift of righteousness. You don't have any place in me anymore. You have been forgiven. I'm under no law that gives you power anymore. I've been set free. You've got no power in me. And the best time to confess that sin is just when you've done it. Otherwise, that sin preaches to you until you speak the good news about that sin. Hallelujah. Just do that. I mean, if you've just lost your temper, you've shouted at somebody, you've really now been upset and you felt that I haven't been living the way I'm supposed to live. The first thing that comes out of your mouth is that I am slow to anger. Hallelujah. You open the Bible in Galatians. That's what you do. I do that. Sometimes it's good to know the Scriptures off by heart because you're not walking around with the Bible all the time. But this is what, if I've just lost my temper, I've shouted. I remember when somebody took, I think I've said this, took my motorbike's speedometer and threw it in the fire. And I tell you, that thing made me very upset. I, I didn't behave like a Christian, I can tell you the truth. After that, just after I've been so angry, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I am slow to anger, hallelujah. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm so forgiven. I am holy. I walked in that house. I said that. I was, we went to the restaurant. That was what's in my mind all the time. I said it over and over as we were driving to the restaurant. That's what I did. And this is what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit, or being in the Spirit, being under the message of grace, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Father, I thank you that I can just say that I'm in the Spirit. I'm in the Spirit, the Bible says, and uh, uh, I can't remember the place. I'm in the Spirit if the Spirit of God dwells in me. Hallelujah. If the Spirit of God dwells in me, then I am in the Spirit. Hallelujah. And I, I think that's what we need to do all the time. And as you say that, that sin doesn't have time to preach to you. It doesn't have time to um, renew your mind into the negative again. But the moment you do something wrong, don't say, oh, you know, I've done this wrong, and will I ever be good enough? I've believed the message of grace now, and look what's happened, it doesn't work. And May you just know that you are forgiven. The name of Jesus is over you. You call on the name of Jesus, the one that saves you from your sins. And that sin is not going to be forgiven the moment you confess it. That sin has already been forgiven. When you confess that sin, you are delivered from the influence of that sin. Because that sin is influencing you into depression now. And the more you're saying, well, I've done this and I I, I can't get victory and I feel so sorry for myself. The more you continue with that, you know what's happening to you? The more you feel like that. But the moment you confess... What God says about that sin. Well, I've shouted like a madman. I've been swearing and cussing. But thank God I'm the righteousness of God. For God's view and opinion of me is Jesus. God's view and opinion of me is what Jesus is today at the right hand of God. As He is in heaven, so am I in this world. And forever I am righteous. For my God is faithful. The Word of God says in Corinthians clearly that who shall uh, Jesus shall confirm me even unto the end that we might be blameless in the day of 
our Lord Jesus Christ, for God is faithful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, chapter 1 verse 9 and 10. Bless God. I just, that's for me. As you say that, you will experience the peace of God, for your mind is tapping into the reality of God. That's how you confess your sins and you are forgiven of your sins when we talk about sins. We talk about the willful sin or the unpardonable sin, the one that is against the blood of Jesus Christ. There are people today that has not been saved, but they stand for the message of the law. If they can confess that what they believe is sin, they will be saved. That's what First John actually means, if you go and read that. Well, bless God. Let's get into uh, Corinthians. Corinthians, First Corinthians. Let me see what's the time. Ten past. Right. <clears throat> Let's read verse 2. This is from verse, chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, this is Paul, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Now, he didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Now, you might say, but we want wisdom. Now, how can Paul not come with wisdom? Let's read verse 2. I didn't come with wisdom of words, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, Jesus Christ and His crucifixion is what brings salvation. Now, wisdom in the Old Testament was seen as what you need to do in order to be saved. Now he says, I didn't come with the wisdom of words. Good plans on what you must do to get out of your problems. That's other, if I can use other words for that. So many times you look at, at people and they seem so wise, these motivational speakers. They seem so wise, they come with wisdom of words and, and we just run after them. Paul didn't come that way. He said, I didn't come with ten steps on how to get out of your problem. I came only with one thing. And that is, for I, de- I determined not to know anything amongst you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know how many times people, you might say that I'm hammering on this, but this is one of the greatest deceptions in the church. It's about tithing and sowing and reaping. You know, so many times we, when it comes to salvation, we know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But when it comes to money, we know how to sow, we know how to reap, we know how to tithe, we know how to confess, right? We've got a water the seed mentality. I saw another guy on TV preaching on the, uh, um, in 2007, the seventh day on the seventh month. That was now 777. He said, if you give $777 today, this blessing is going to come over your life. Now, that's wisdom of words. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It sounds right. It sounds so wise. The wisdom in the Old Testament was called the law. The law of Moses was called wisdom. But now it's not the law of Moses anymore. The Bible says Jesus Christ became the wisdom of God. The thing that we need to be part of and do in order to be saved. When we believe, hallelujah, we are wise. When we speak Jesus, we are wise. If I want to give you wisdom concerning finances, this is it. Jesus was rich. He became poor so you through his poverty might be made rich. Hallelujah. There might be times, and I went through a time like that not too long ago, where I just felt, I can't understand, you know. We've moved down, we've done a lot of things, and the financial things was just not looking good. 
I spoke to one of my friends. He encouraged me that night. I went into my house at about two in the morning. I was just waking up with this thing in my mind. I woke up. I said, yes, it was a thing in my mind. And I said, I'm going to deal with this right now. And I took the Bible and I took the scriptures on finances and I took... There was a, one of the scriptures that blessed me so much was, it's not what goes into your mouth, the physical thing that makes you unholy, but what comes out of your mouth. And through that, the Spirit of God just told me back to you, you are not what happened to you. You are what I say you are. Hallelujah. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And God's tongue says that I am righteous, I am blessed, I am prosperous. Bless God. Now, it doesn't help me come with wisdom of words. It's not going to save you. It's not going to bring that answer. What must I do? You know, these people do this. They do that. You know, he's done that. Let me study what he's done. Forget what another guy's done. Look at what Jesus has done. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Paul says, For I, de- I determined. Determined means I have decided and I'm determined about what I've decided. Not to know anything amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. How am I going to get out of my, this marital problem? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. And another thing I want to say. There's no new revelation. This might shock you, but I want to tell you the truth. There's been one mystery that's been hidden. And then it was revealed. You know, some people come to me and they say, You know, Bertie, in the 1800s, they preached grace. Man, they preached it just after Jesus and Paul wrote it down. Oh, it's nothing new. You know, in, in, the, in the 80s, God, in the 60s, God brought in the Holy Spirit and miracles. In the 80s, God brought in the charismatic move. In the 90s and 2000s, God's bringing in immortality and that. Man, it's not the truth. It's not the way God works. It's been like that all the time. We're only reading it now. And there were people that's always been believing that all the time. There are grace preachers all over the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Because if we believe God's going to reveal something later on, we believe He's hiding stuff from us today. And He's not hiding anything from us. Bless God. So, know this, there's no deeper revelation. What we call revelation today is basically an application of the cross onto different areas of our life. Like um, finances, for instance. We would say, you know, God's revealing the grace message concerning finances now in 2007, 2008. The thing started to come now. No, it's always been revealed. Paul preached it in 2 Corinthians 8 verses 9. That's when it was revealed. Unto Paul, Jesus Christ gave it. Amen. He gave him that revelation. What happens today is we only take the revelation that's always been there and we apply it to an area where we have not applied it in recent times. Now we say God's giving a new revelation and we think that the guy that's preached that is closer to God than the guy that doesn't know it. It's not the truth. Don't think that somebody that's this great preacher or somebody that walks in signs and wonders and I can say that myself, I'm a great preacher, hallelujah, and I walk in signs and wonders as well. Don't think of me more highly than what you think of yourself, hallelujah. If you want to honor something, honor the word that I preach. Honor that word. That will bring joy to my heart and the heart of God. If I can see you take that word, you believe that word, you apply that word in your life, that will bring joy to my heart. But if you come, oh man of God, or whatever, you know that, yeah, it's, it, it sounds good, but it's much better if you believe the word. Amen. 
Hallelujah. That's a place where you honor the man of God. Why do you honor the man of God? Because he's carrying the message of grace. That's why. If he's not carrying the message of grace, you just honor him like anybody else. That's it. The reason why I would honor somebody like Ed Elliott or Joseph Prince or Andrew Womack or somebody like that, and I'll, I'll keep them in very high esteem is because of what they preach. That's it. If they change what they preach tomorrow, I'm sorry. Then they just, I can't keep them in that same esteem. I will honor them as I would honor any other brother or sister. But the Bible says somebody who preaches the grace message, you must keep him in very high esteem. Why? If you honor him, you will take what he says as, he, as if it is from God. That's why. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the only reason. Thank you, Jesus. Let's read on. I think we need to come to an end and I haven't even started. Right. For I determined not to know anything amongst you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith... Listen. He came and He demonstrated the Spirit. What was the Spirit? The message of grace with power. He says, That your faith should not be in man's wisdom. In all these things that people tell you you must do in order to be blessed. Or to please God. Or to bind the devil. Or this or that. Man, if you want to have a teaching about the devil, look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Apply that to, the, to Satan. Then you know you are in victory. Hallelujah. Now I find people sending me SMSs. Please stand with me in this spiritual warfare and all of that. You want to send me that? Um, I'm not going to stand with you in the sense that you want me to stand with you. I'll stand in the, in the cross. I'm not going to bind the devil over you. And I will, fight, I will fight with you by sending you a teaching on spiritual warfare which explains the cross. So that you can start to walk in victory. Amen. Right. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How be it? We speak wisdom. Listen to this. How be it? We do speak wisdom amongst them that are perfect. So if you are in the message of grace and somebody comes and he preaches grace to you, you say, whoa, this is the wisdom of God. Look at how wise that man, the wisdom that flows out of him. Look at the well of wisdom that's in him. Why? It's because you are in grace. That's why. And if I teach you the message of grace, like we are here in Web Church, a grace-based church, Man, you would just say, this place is flooded with the wisdom of God. But the man that's in the law will say it's foolishness. This man thinks he's going to prosper by just believing on the cross. No way. This man believes that even if he sins, he's forgiven. Oh, he's going to go to hell. That's not wise. That's foolishness. Now, if you're under the law, it's foolishness. But if you are in grace, it's wisdom. Hallelujah. And this is what Paul says. He says, Howbeit, we speak wisdom amongst them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of the world, of the law, nor of the princes of this world, that come to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which, is, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now, this wisdom was for our glory. Now, I want to just read something here. It says, <coughs> verse 9, But as is written, no eye has seen or ear heard or not has entered into the heart of a man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. But God has revealed these things that He has prepared unto them that love Him by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. 
Let's read the next verse there. It says, now we, have this, now we have received, not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit which is of God. Why have we received the Spirit? That we might know the mystery. What is this mystery? That we might know the things that are freely given unto us of God. Isn't that wonderful? Which things also we speak. So what, is, what did Paul preach? He spoke of all the things they freely received of God. That was called the wisdom of God. That was called the gospel. That was called the good news. All these other things was called dung. This message that says that we've received the Holy Spirit, that we might know the things that are freely given unto us of God. So what is the mystery that was revealed? All the things that we have freely received of God. If the Holy Spirit comes upon you, if God's voice speaks to you, He will tell you of what you have freely received of God. Which things also we speak, not in the wisdom of, not in words which men's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. Comparing the spiritual with the spiritual. But the natural man, the man that, work, that is works orientated, does not receive these things. Man, that's the good news of Jesus Christ. God loves you. God cares for you. And He wants you to walk in true, true peace and joy. So, know this. The wisdom of God is Jesus Christ. What did we say today? We said the name Jesus means He's a God that saves me from my sins. That's what it is. He saved me from my sins. He's Emmanuel. When God is with me, what does it mean? I'm in an atmosphere where my sins aren't put on me. It's not imputed to me. I'm in an atmosphere where God sees the cross. Hallelujah. That's the grace of God. Church, I want to encourage you to study into the message of grace. Send the link of web church to people, man. They need that. They need it. They need to hear this. Like I said in the beginning, the vision of web church is not to grow the church. It's not to grow this ministry. The reason why we translate this website into other languages is so that more people can be built into the kingdom of God. We are very concerned about numbers in web church and in dynamic love ministry. I'm very concerned about numbers, just like God. God was so concerned about numbers that He even named one of the books in the Bible numbers. So we, every number is a soul. But we want to see every soul equipped into the message of grace. Because this is the only thing that brings life. If you... We cannot have a slave mentality in the pulpit. We cannot have a slave mentality as heads of our families. As mothers, we cannot have slave mentalities. As youth and teenagers, we cannot have a slave mentality. Because it will ruin your life. Hallelujah. I would like to pray for you. If there's anybody with sickness, um, God is a God that heals you. Amen. If we've prayed for you right now, I believe the healing power of God's upon you. You can also renew your mind by clicking on um, healing school on the homepage and you can just listen to a session there that I've got about healing it will really touch you something that will also bless you in walking in healing and in the supernatural is power talk go and watch it you know you might say but that's been on now for three months it's going to be on for years hallelujah because that's the truth of God amen watch it have your mind on it every time I watch it and I preach it myself I'm blessed again because it is the word 
of God. Let us just pray together. Father, I stretch forth my hands to every person that's watching me right now, even if it's they, they logged into this in the archive, even if it's in, if it's in the 5 o'clock rebroadcast, right now in the live broadcast, I send my the power of God right through their bodies. I see, I bring healing for you in your finances. I bring healing for you in your physical body. I bring healing for you in every area of your life. You are the healed of God. You're the prosperous of God in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If this session has blessed you, there's a button there that says you can just um, testify or just tell us what God has done for you through this. If it's just blessed, just tell us it's blessed me. It's wonderful for us to see whose lives have been touched through this message. We're going to just play out with the last worship song we've had. And uh, for those of you who want to join us in Skype, you are more than welcome. See you next week and God bless you. God that we